Many of you know I occasionally speak here at NRCC, but what I mainly do here is gather people around a self-awareness, self-disclosure tool that we call the Enneagram. And I think one of the reasons why this tool has the staying power that it does is because we are practicing, perhaps unawares, the confession, the sacrament of confession. You didn't know that Doug has been teaching us the sacrament of penance and confession all this time, did you? But the sacrament of confession is very powerful. Uh, it says in 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And in James 5.16, it says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. But we don't use that language anymore. That's the language that we used when we were young. <clears throat> and instead, we use the language of the Enneagram, a self-awareness, self-disclosure tool. So several times a week, I gather in my self-awareness, self-disclosure groups, and I confess my sins. And they forgive me, and I am healed. And just as Scripture says what happen, happens. Healing comes. I get the crazies out before the crazies take me out. But this morning, I'm not going to talk about these groups, but instead, I'm going to unabashedly give you an infomercial about what you are invited to participate in between now and May. On the second and fourth Sundays after church for an hour, I will be sharing Russ Hudson's teaching on how to move through suffering to virtue. And specifically, I will be teaching on how we can use the tool of the Enneagram to help us move through our unique sufferings to a place of our unique virtues. NRC, the goal of NRCC is to gather around the virtues and to not gather around fear. I hope after listening to today that you will attend any and all of these sessions after church that you might find helpful. So today I will be giving you an overview of what that information is going to look like. But first, a little background. People who are intentional about their spiritual growth always have some form of tool that they use as in self-awareness and self-disclosure. And as I said before, in, here at NRCC, the tool that we use is called the Enneagram. And it is one of the best and mainly because it deals with motivations and not with behavior. And as with all theories, the Enneagram uses jargon. And the main jargon is the use of the word type. The word type is used to describe motivation. These types are given numbers to help differentiate them. So, for example, type 8s, nines and ones describe groups of people who are motivated by the need to have power. Types two, three, and four describe groups of people that are motivated by the need to have connection. And types five, six, and seven describe groups of people that are motivated by the need for safety and security. So the theory states that these motivations these types are like scripts that we are born with. 
and that we act out, mostly unaware, all of our days. Our types are our grids that we are born with. But these scripts and these grids are hidden, and they're hidden mainly from us. We don't know that we are following a script. We don't know that we are viewing life through a prescribed grid that has already determined what we will and what we will not see. And we assume that everyone is following the same script that we are following. And without this knowledge of the Enneagram, we think that to some degree or other, we are all following a similar script. Hence, one of the reasons why we have so many problems with relationships. Now, while I was preparing for this morning, I saw a clip on Facebook that perfectly depicted what it was like to have and live from our types. I posted it on the NRCC Facebook page in anticipation of using it as a prop this morning. If you didn't see it, go look it up. It is very interesting. And so here what this, here's what this clip was. Someone had put a little leather coat on his pug-nosed dog, and coming out of the top of this little coat was a metal rod, and it came over the dog's head, and it extended beyond his reach. And on the end of this metal rod was, you guessed it, a tennis ball. The dog had no idea that the tennis ball was unreachable. The film shows the dog endlessly chasing the tennis ball that he would never catch. And I am suggesting to you that that tennis ball is a, meta a metaphor of how we live out our lives. We are unaware that we are fixated on a prescribed way of doing life. We are unaware that our type presents to us a temptation that we cannot resist. Our metaphoric tennis balls demand that we focus on power, or demand that we focus on connecting, or demand that we focus on safety. Our metaphoric tennis balls tell us that if we, don't, if we don't focus on them, we will experience death. Our metaphoric tennis balls are lying to us, but we have to believe our lies. Now, while this dog was chasing his unreachable tennis ball, guess what he wasn't doing? He was totally unaware of his surroundings. He was totally unaware that any people might be in his path, he was totally unaware of any object in the yard. He was totally unaware of the weather, of the trees, of the bushes. So you get the picture. And while we are chasing our unreachable metaphoric tennis balls, we also are not present. We are all born with a grid that we live out aware or unaware. We are all born with little coats on, that have this little metal rod coming out over our heads with little tennis balls on them. And these little tennis balls tell us a lie. And the lie is, you can catch me and you can spend your whole life catching me and it'll be a worthwhile life. And we believe our lies. And we want our lies to be true. And we like our lies. <clears throat> 
So what are some of these lies that we believe? What are the grids, the scripts that we are obeying? Here are some descriptions of the metaphoric tennis balls that mesmerize us. Some follow the script that I have to give to be loved. Or I have to be successful to be loved. Or I have to be different to be loved. Or I won't be safe unless I withdraw. Or I won't be safe if I don't have a plan. Or I won't be safe if I am not on the move. Or power belongs only to the powerful. Or power belongs only to the one who says no. Or power belongs only to those who are right. And so with those scripts, with those grids, with those lies, comes suffering. With our unique scripts come our unique sufferings. And because we have to chase our metaphoric tennis balls, we suffer. And because we are human, instead of stop chasing our metaphoric tennis balls, we simply choose to avoid our suffering. We don't stop the behavior that causes the suffering. We just avoid the suffering. And just like there are nine motivations and there are nine unique tennis balls, and there are nine unique lies, nine unique grids. We also have nine different ways we handle, or rather don't handle, our suffering. Some avoid suffering by simply denying it. Some avoid suffering by going to sleep literally or not so literally. Some avoid suffering by channeling it into doing right. Some avoid suffering by blanking out and focusing on others. Some avoid suffering by taking on the attributes of a desired group. And some take on suffering by avoiding theirs and absorbing everyone else's. Some avoid suffering by cutting themselves off for all emotions. That works. Some avoid suffering by putting it onto the other and then rejecting the other. And some avoid suffering by reframing it. So, we repress it, suppress it, reframe it, withdraw from it, refuse it, project it, and channel it. We all have our ways of avoiding suffering. But as we all know, avoiding our suffering isn't helpful. And what I will be teaching these next four months is a better way. I will be teaching a way to hold our unique suffering so that it makes a place for our virtues. Holding our unique form of suffering involves being present. Being present can only be done by being present to our physical bodies. Being present means we redirect our attention to the sensations in our physical body. Redirecting our attention to the sensations of our physical body is the surest way of immediately breaking the spell that our metaphoric tennis balls have over us. You cannot talk yourself out of your mesmerization with your metaphoric tennis ball. You cannot think your way out of your mesmerization with your metaphoric 
tennis ball. You cannot talk yourself out of believing your lie. You do not have the power or the tools to come up against your wiring. But what you do have is the ability to choose to pause. And what you do have is the ability to choose to be present. And that is all. And when you choose to pause, and when you choose to focus on the sensations of your physical body as a tool to break the spell that your metaphoric tennis ball has over you, you will find a way to experience suffering which will yield to healing. So let's pretend that that dog is here, and let's pretend he's listening to me, and let's pretend that he decides to do what I have just said. So, that little dog with the little leather coat on, with the little wire, with the little tennis ball, he listens to me, and he pauses, and he focuses on his breath. And he becomes aware of the sensations in his body. And all of a sudden, he's aware that his little body is quite tired. And he pauses, and he begins to feel the sensations in his paws. And he begins to feel the sensation of blood cursing through his little brain. And because he paused, he noticed for the first time that his owner had cut the grass. He notices for the first time that someone moved the lawn furniture. And he notices for the first time the fact that there are no clouds in the sky. That little dog is present. So, let's be like the little dog right now and let's practice being present. Let's cultivate presence right now. Cultivating presence involves two things, breath and body sensations. Body sensations are things like tightness in your muscles, the tingling in the soles of your feet, the fullness or the emptiness of your stomach. So let's together just take a couple of intentional breaths. You can do it with your eyes open or your eyes closed. So when I focus on my breath and when I focus on the sensations in my body, I might become more aware of how my jaw feels, how my shoulders feel. <coughs> I am present. When we breathe intentionally, we are able to feel the sensations of our body better. Sensations move us automatically into the living moment. When we notice sensations in our body, more of our attention is available for the here and now. When we turn our attention to the sensations of our body, our hearts also become more available to the here 
and now. When our hearts are more available to the here and now, it can experience all of the repressed abandonment and forsakenness that it has avoided. All the suffering that it has spent its little life avoiding. And now healing can begin. We have come home to ourselves. We have stopped avoiding our suffering and it is done by being present to our hearts. In scripture, Jesus tells the story that we have called the parable of the prodigal son. In Luke 15, 11, it is a story of a father being abandoned by his son. So let me paraphrase it for you. A son asks his father for his inheritance early. After he was given it, he left home and made many poor financial and moral decisions, which were unrecoverable. His pride kept him miserable for a long time. Finally, he could not stand it any longer, and he decided he would rather be a servant in his father's house than miserable. So he went home with the full intention of becoming a servant. Instead, his father, who had grieved his son's loss for a very long time, was delighted at his son's return and would have nothing of the nonsense about his son being a servant. Instead, he threw him a party, was so happy to have him home. That's the story. In the context of what we're talking about this moment, this morning, let me suggest to you this interpretation. This is a story about how healing occurs. Healing occurs when we are willing to bring our, fail, our failures into the light of love. The prodigal son received healing when he was willing to bring his failed self into the presence of love. In this case, it was his father. Or said another way, we are able to experience healing when both the elements of failure and the elements of love are present within. We experience healing when we are like the Father and receive with kindness those parts of us that have failed. We are able to experience healing when we are like the Son and are willing to bring our failures into the awareness of love. When we bring presence and grace to our suffering hearts, virtue has permission to grow. When we bring presence and grace to our suffering hearts, virtues have permission to grow. So come the second and fourth Sundays and let's learn together how to be like the prodigal son and how to bring our failures to love and how to bring and be like the father and learn to be present to our failures with kindness. In other words, let's learn how to transform our suffering into virtue. So next Sunday, that's the fourth, we will examine the core suffering of the heart that is at the root of lust 
and how we can move to the place of the virtue of innocence. The second Sunday of February, we will examine the suffering of the heart that is at the root of sloth, which isn't laziness, but rather a habitual state of withdrawn attention, and how to move to a place of the virtue of engagement. The fourth Sunday of February, we will learn about the core suffering of the heart that is at the root of angry resentment, or type one, and how to move to the virtue of serenity. The second Sunday of March, we will learn about the core suffering of the heart that is at the root of pride, often misunderstood and a major challenge of those in the helping professions, and how to move to the virtue of humility. The fourth Sunday of March, we will learn about the core suffering of the heart that is at the root of vanity and how to move to the virtue of veracity. The second Sunday of April, we will learn about the core suffering of the heart that is at the root of envy or continual disappointment, type 4, and how to move to the virtue of equanimity. The fourth Sunday of April, we will learn about the core suffering of the heart that is at the root of avarice and how to move to the virtue of non-attachment. The second Sunday of May, we will learn about the core suffering of the heart that is at the root of gluttony, type 7, and how to move to the virtue of sobriety. And that actually is not accurate. The second Sunday of May is the core suffering of the heart that is at the root of fear. I apologize for that. Skipped it. And then the fourth Sunday of May will be gluttony. Ah, So again, the goal of NRCC is to form a community around virtue and not around fear. So let me share the tiniest of examples of how being present to our hearts results in transformation. Okay, this is so little, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. Uh, So I actually practice what I preach, and uh, periodically and often I know to focus my attention on my breath. I know that I live my life focusing on my tennis ball, and I know that wherever my little tennis ball goes, my focus is always on the attention of my tennis ball. And my particular tennis ball is, is uh, safety and security, and so my ball tells me that I have to focus on it or I will not be safe. And so I always do, except for when I don't. And every once in a while, I will focus on my breath. And when I focus on my breath, I will do exactly what we did together. I will inhale and I will exhale, and I will pause, and I will inhale, and I will exhale, and I will pause. And so I am in meetings around round tables, and I'm not leading these meetings necessarily, but I will focus my attention on my breath, and I will focus my attention on the sensations in my body. And it's not unusual for me to, at that point, then become aware that my jaw is so tight, I could almost have locked jaw. And it's not unusual for the shoulders, uh, the muscles in my shoulders to be so tight that I am stiff. And it's not unusual for me to have such a shallow breath that I am lightheaded. <laughs> That's how pathetic that is. Okay, so I am now in the sensations in my body, and I am asking myself, these are all sensations of fear. What, dear one, are you afraid of? What is this compulsion that you are experiencing? In what way are you compulsed? 
And I happen to know the literature, and so I look for hints. And there's a really good possibility that when I am in groups, I am being told by my type that I have to know what I'm talking about. And that uh, everyone has to know that I know what I'm talking about. And so in order for me to fulfill that role, I am compulsed and fixated. All right? I am compulsed and fixated. I got this information from my body. My thoughts did not tell me that. My thoughts did not tell me you are afraid. My thoughts did not tell me that I am compulsed and fixated. What told me that was my body. I could feel the energy in my body, and it was compulsed, and it was fixated. At that moment, I am present. And when I am present, and according to what we talked about this morning, my heart is also more aware. My heart is more present, and it is more in a position where it can now receive the suffering that my compulsion and my fixation brings to me. So there's a great deal of shame. I am ashamed that, look, here I am at this age, and I'm still experiencing this. So if I let my heart experience what it is feeling, I will feel shame. And instead of constricting around the shame and saying, no, I shouldn't feel shame, or, um, uh, or I'm a bad person because I feel shame, I receive shame. And I say, how does shame feel in my body? What does shame feel like in my body? So, and I can go through a whole list of things that if my heart is open to my suffering, I can receive my suffering. And when I receive my suffering with kindness instead of rejection, when I receive my, kind, my suffering with the love of the Father, then we can get to the place of virtue. So, when you choose to go on a spiritual journey and you choose to be aware, what you will have to, you cannot, you cannot bear up under awareness without loving kindness. And so be aware that when you become aware that you must give yourself a great deal of loving kindness. Just like the father gave loving kindness to his failed son, so we have to give loving kindness to our failed selves. So that's just a little story of what I am talking about in real life. <clears throat> so I'm going to end with a review of where we went this morning. All right? I started off telling you that this morning would be a type of infomercial to introduce a series of teachings that I will be doing after church on the second and fourth Sundays. Uh, you are invited, in case you missed that part. It'll be in the teen room. Um, those teachings will be about how to move through our sufferings to virtue. We talked about the sacrament of confession and how we do the sacrament of confession through tools that teach self-awareness and self-disclosure. We talked about that the main tool of self-awareness and self-disclosure that we use here at NRCC is called the Enneagram. And we talked about how the Enneagram helps us become aware of our biases, our grids, our scripts, through which we see all of reality. And I shared the imagery of the dog chasing a tennis ball that he would never catch as a metaphor of how our types cause us to fixate on our motivation. This continual, relentless chase keeps us from being present to our hearts and our true selves. This inability to be present to our hearts enables us to avoid our suffering, which keeps us from our healing. And when we are willing to be present to our hearts and are willing to be present to our suffering, Healing can begin. 
Another metaphor I used was, was the story of the prodigal son and showed how that could be a story of how we abandon our true selves and how we choose to not be present to the beloved in our life and in our hearts because then we would have to also be present to our suffering. We were invited to be like the sun and be willing to bring our lust, our sloth, our anger, our pride, our vanity, our envy, our stinginess, our fear, and our gluttony to the light. And then to be like the Father who is present to our failing selves and who receives us with great compassion. And then I ended with an overview of the core sufferings of the heart of the nine different types and the virtues that result from being present and by bringing a loving presence to our failures. So once again, thank you for sharing your morning with me. It is always an honor and a privilege to be with you. So thank you. And while the offering is being taken... <laughs>